Hello everyone and welcome back to the Omaha Hockey StatCast. We are here to go over last week's bout in Alaska Anchorage where your receiving votes. Omaha Mavericks got a win and a tie on the weekend, winning 4-3 on Thursday and getting a 3-3 tie on Friday. We're going to go over everything. I've got a bunch planned for this episode, so let's jump right into it. So first off, I do just want to apologize for not having anything last week. Like I said, um, Alexis and I were on vacation. We had everything planned to go ahead and do our little special episode that we had uh, planned. But then we realized, you know what, we're on vacation. So we just enjoyed, well, we enjoyed our time out in Denver. And um, I will for sure, whenever the next bye week comes up, um, be able to get that episode made for you. Because it is really interesting, and hopefully by then everything will be resolved. But until then, we have a lot of, to, of stats to go over. Excuse me. So we're going to start off first with last week's uh, stats and overall how the Mavericks are doing. So the Mavericks are 4-1-1 one, and one overall uh, this season. They are 2-1 and one on the first night of hockey, 2-0-1 oh, on the second night of hockey, Two one and one on the road, which is a great start for the Mavs after last season's tough road record. And they are four and one. They finished four and one in October, outscoring opponents nineteen to eight in those five games it ended up being, which is an average of three point eight goals for a game and one point six goals against, which is a great another great start for the Mavericks. They started November with an 0-0-1 start uh, with the tie on Friday, November 1st. We're going to talk about this once and only once, well, maybe twice. But right now, the Mavs are number two in the pairwise. It's really early, so don't get too ahead of yourselves. There's really not a lot of comparisons to go over for this certain ranking. So yeah, cool, number two, they're only behind Denver, but, you know, not a lot of teams have played a lot of games against, you know, player, against teams that can really show how teams are are even going to do going forward. Yeah, a lot of teams have played five or six games, but it's super early. No one, well, very little teams have gotten into conference play, so that is where most of the comparisons and the pairwise and all that. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Mavs are number two in the pairwise. That's all that matters. Long way to go, though. We are only six games in. So, goal scores on Thursday. I accidentally wrote Friday. Goal scores on Thursday and game one on Thursday, which the Mavs took a 4-3 victory away. Just squeaked it out. A power play goal scored in the first period at 107. Taylor Ward got his second of the season from Polkanen and Brichette. Then in the second at 4.54, Keck got his second of the season from Coton Beetle and Weiss. Brandon Scanlon gets his first collegiate goal on the power play in the third at 10.12 from Keck. And then Joey Abate gets his third goal and third game-winning goal of the season in the third at 16.04 off an amazing tip. That was from Proctor, his first collegiate point. 
First Collegiate Assists, and Conley. On Friday, Zach Jordan got his team-leading fourth goal of the season from Scanlon and Jones just 52 seconds into the game. Tyler Weiss got his first of the night and first of the season on the power play from Scanlon and Conley in the second period at 7.08. And then Tyler Weiss, from an impossible angle, gets his second of the night, second of the season in the second period unassisted at 12.52. Player points over the weekend, Weiss and Scanlon each had three points in both ga- in each game. Or, you know, three points over the weekend. Weiss had two goals and an assist. Scanlon with a goal and two assists. Keck and Conley each with two points. And then Ward, Abate, Jordan, Polkinen, Brichette, Coton Beetle, Proctor, and Jones all with one point on the weekend. Team leaders in certain categories. Goal leader, Zach Jordan with four. Assist leaders, uh, Brichette, Conley, and Keck each have five assists on the season. And overall points leader, is Tristan Keck with seven points. He's got two goals and five assists on the year. Now we're going to break it down a little bit um, by goals per period. Omaha scored one goal in the first this weekend, the first period. They've scored six first period goals all season, average of one per game. In the second, the Mavs scored four goals in the second period this weekend doubling what they've done all season. They've got eight second period goals this season, averaging 1.33 goals per second period per game. And the Mavs scored three goals in the third period this weekend. They've scored eight as well in the third period, averaging 1.33 goals per game per third period. So as you can see or hear, the Mavs are definitely, it's very even, 6-8-8 uh, eight, eight on when they score goals. A little heavier on the opposite side, or on the, the latter side of the game, which is definitely what you want. Strong finish, can score late in the game. But obviously you do want all of that to be evened out a little bit. Opponents, Anchorage scored two first period goals this weekend. We've allowed three first period goals, which is just half a goal per game, per first period. Anchorage scored two second period goals this weekend, doubling how many we've allowed in the second period at four in the season, which is .67 per game. And in the third, Anchorage scored two as well this weekend in the third period, doubling how many we have allowed in the third period as well at .67 goals per game. Continuing on, next we're going to go over shots per period. Omaha in the first period had 16 shots in uh, both games this weekend at Anchorage. On the season, they've had 56 shots in the first period, averaging 9.33 shots per first period, which is per game. They had 20 second period shots, which brought them up to 56 shots as well on the season in the second period. Again, averaging 9.33 per game. They had 18 third period shots, which brought that third period shot total up to 49, which is just over 8 per game, 8.17 per game. They had three overtime shots, which doubled their overtime shots on the season, which is now six 
which is averaging three per overtime period, which um, at least for uh, this weekend was just the one overtime because it was a non-conference, so they just had the one overtime. Opponents this weekend, the Mavericks allowed 20 first period shots over both games, brought that total up to 50, which is 8.33 first period shots per game. They allowed 12 second period shots in the in this weekend's in last weekend's matchup, bringing that total to 40 on the season, which is 6.67 per game. And they allowed 20 as well in the third period, which brought that total up to 60, which is 10 shots per game in the third period. Anchorage had four shots in the overtime period on Friday, brought that total up to seven shots against in the overtime period per game. That is looking at 3.5 per overtime period that the Mavs have played in. Saves, Seville had 50 saves on the weekend, 50 saves on 56 shots. Thursday and Friday. Stead on Friday for the Seawolves had 26 saves on 29 shots. Carlson on Friday, yeah, Friday had 24 saves on 27 shots. Seville on the season has faced 136 shots, allowed 11 goals, has had 125 saves, good for a 91.91 save percentage. We had 10 penalties from 10 different players this last weekend for the Mavericks. There were no majors all weekend, so that was fantastic. Um, it's definitely some progress after, I'm pretty sure, having a major in each of the first three weekends of the uh, actual season. Penalty in minutes leaders for the Mavericks. Um, overall in the season, Jones has 23, Sullivan has 17, Weiss has 15, Ward has 10, Conley and Stewart round out the top five with just six. So that's not terrible. Um, Sullivan and Weiss, most of that are both from their both of their majors. So that's really, you know, it's, this, uh, Sullivan's got 17, which is only three penalties on him the major misconduct and then this last weekend he had a penalty and Weiss was just his major misconduct against Huntsville at home so the power play and the penalty kill for Omaha on Thursday went the power play went 2 for 7 which is 28.57% Saturday went 1 for 4 25% on the weekend they went 3 for 11 27.27% on the weekend not terrible Thursday definitely had a lot more opportunities to make Anchorage pay for their um, costly mistakes, but the two definitely came in handy that we got on the power play. So going into the weekend, Omaha had a 31.82 power play percentage. After Friday, that went down to 31.03 percentage, and after the weekend, went down to (laughs) 30.30%. Um, So that is where they currently stand going into this weekend against Wisconsin. Anchorage on the power play went 1 for 4 on Thursday, 25%. Saturday went 2 for 4, 50%. On the weekend went 3 for 8, 37.5%. So this is where it gets kind of confusing. So the opponent power play percentage, which is the 
percentage of you know power plays that uh, we've allowed started at 21.05%. So our PK was at 78.95% before the weekend started. After the Thursday win, the opponent power play percentage went up to 21.74%. So our PK dropped to 78.26%. After Friday's tie, the power play percentage for the opponents went up to 25.93. So our penalty kill dropped to 74.07%. That is just about almost 5% difference from where they started over the weekend. The penalty kill has gone 20 for 27 on the year. It's not terrible, not the best. Definitely something they need to work on going forward, especially this weekend and as they get into conference play. But not terrible. It hasn't cost them really. Uh, So that is great. I guess it's cost them the win at Ohio State, but, you know, for what it's worth, it's really not, it hasn't been terrible this year. Faceoffs, uh, one last little stat. Faceoffs went 41-33 in Omaha's favor on Thursday, 55.41 winning percentage. Uh, the 84-74, sorry, 74 faceoffs in the game were the second, were, well, were the then most faceoffs in a game this season until Friday, where the faceoffs were 50 39 in Omaha's favor. That's 89 faceoffs, 56.18 winning percentage for Omaha. That set the new faceoff record for this season. It's quite a lot of stoppage for a game. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for my stats. So next, we're going to take a look at the NCHC and how they did over the weekend. Alright, welcome to a segment we're going to call Around the NCHC, where we look at how the rest of the NCHC did over the last weekend. So we're going to start off Minnesota Duluth. They are 3-3 on the year. They had a bye week. St. Cloud, after the weekend, is 1-2-2. Two, and two. They drop out of the USAHO um, top 20 and are receiving votes for this upcoming week. They dropped Friday night's game 5-3 to Princeton and then came back to tie a goal fest at 5-5 on Saturday. They had three power play goals and allowed a hat-trick but from Andonovsky. Watched a lot of that game. And it was very back and forth. It was a very good game. Um, You know, obviously not so much if you're a St. Cloud fan or an NCHC fan, but it was a great game. It's fun to watch. It's back and forth, like I said. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how St. Cloud can bounce back after this seemingly um, loss of a weekend. Number one team in the country, Denver, is now 8-0-0 on the season. They played Niagara. They swept them 6-2 on Friday, 4-0 on Saturday. Corzin had his first start, first win, first shutout for the Pioneers. Western and CC each played each other for the first conference matchup of the season. Western is now 3-3-2 on the season, 1-0-1 in the NCHC. They sit at the top of the standings with five points, taking five of six from CC who is now 2-3-1, 0-1-1 in the NCHC. 
They are now second, obviously, being only the only other team that's played the conference game. They've got one point. They are able to sneak out with a point after this weekend. Western took game one on Friday, 6-3. Going down 3-1, they scored the final five goals of the game. Then they came back uh, with a with a goal in the last 20 seconds on Saturday to tie at 4-4, went through 5-5, five and, five, and the 3-on-3 three three didn't get anything done. They won the shootout, however, 2-1 on Saturday. North Dakota had their one game this last weekend, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game, which they took 3-1 against Michigan Tech. They are now 5-1-1 on the season. They sit, I believe, in the top 10 of the USA Joe poll. Miami had an exhibition on Friday. They won 4-2 over the USU under-18 team. Miami is 2-3-2 on the season. That's it for the NCHC. Let's look forward to this weekend. We're going to take a quick look at our upcoming weekend for the Omaha Mavericks, who are now ranked number 20th in the country after starting the year 4-1-1. With the big weekend coming against Ohio State, that's really the outlier of the season so far as the split. So, here we are. Wisconsin, they are ranked number 12 in the country. They sit 4-4 four and four on the year. 0-2-0 in the Big Ten. They sit number 20th in the pairwise as of when I wrote my notes. <laughs> so that could have changed after the Sunday night game, um, which is Saturday was when I did my notes. Sunday they had a game, but I don't think much would have changed. Um, it was a pretty minor game. So they had a pretty tough weekend. Long pause. They had a pretty tough weekend last week. Uh, they went to Penn State and got swept in Happy Valley Thursday and Friday. They were the other Thursday-Friday series last week. Thursday, they got lit up. 6-1 loss. The only goal coming forth from the nation's leader in goals, Cole Caulfield. Ashan um, had a hit for Wisconsin. That was a very blatant, very blatant elbow high in the corner. He was uh, ejected, ejected from the game and then um, suspended by the Big Ten for Sat or for Friday night's game, which um, could have, you know, played a part. But in the um, 4-2 loss by Wisconsin on Friday, Caulfield had an assist on the second goal for the Badgers. So it was really tough uh, weekend for them. They were the higher ranked team, but definitely Penn State looked obviously like the better team and. Uh, going into it, Penn State just seemed like the better team um, after the season that they've been having. They definitely took a step in the right direction. Wisconsin, definitely not so much. But that means they'll be coming into Baxter this weekend angry and hungry. Um, earlier in the season, they swept Duluth at home on October 18th and 19th, 6-2 and 3-1. So that's the standout of their year so far. That's a big, big win for them, big sweep. They, fun thing, um, fun stat thing about them is they are averaging 3.75 goals a game and also allowing 3.75 goals a game. So they're pretty even. They can score, but they can also, um, you know, allow some goals. So 
that is definitely something to keep track of going forward and into this weekend for the Mavericks. Obviously, like I said earlier, let me get my notes back. They're averaging just about three and a half goals a game, which is right on track with what um, Wisconsin's been allowing. So if they can score goals, then I think they can really... It's really just shutting down Cole Caulfield. Obviously, the the whole team is something to to keep track of, but Cole Caulfield is a goal-scoring machine this year. He, you know, was on the, the track of everyone. Um, so everyone will definitely have their eyes on him this weekend. So if they can shut him down, or at least keep him to a minimum... To a, uh, like a minimum impact of this this weekend, the Mavericks have a chance to really do something special, and um, something that when I listen to the Math Podcast, go check them out, John and Jason at the Math Podcast. John made a great point this week, um, saying that the Mavs have something uh, set up with this weekend to really show the nation, to show themselves, to show the fans, to show everyone that you know. This is a, a stepping point in the season where you can really make an impact on how the rest of the season goes just by this, you know, even just like a Friday game this weekend against Wisconsin. And then after the weekend, you can really show if, if they come out 6-1-1, one, and one, that is a great start to the season, and it's really going to boost the morale of the whole team. Um, coming out with, you know, a couple big wins against a team that you know could has the potential of winning the Big Ten, winning uh, the national championship. So John said it um, perfectly when he said that. You know this this is a time where the Mavericks need to bear down, really focus. Not that they haven't the rest of this, you know you know they're coming up to here, but they really need to focus this weekend and just come out showing that they are for real and that they really want this. And they're willing to do anything, maybe not anything, but they're willing to go out there and win no matter the cost. You know, plus or minus some um, some minor things. But, you know, this is a big weekend for the Mavs, and I really believe that they can go out and have a good showing. Um, I don't think they get swept. I think they have a good enough weekend to where they can get a split. Um... And if things go, you know, perfectly or really well, if they're able to, I guess, hang on enough, um, I, you know, they they have a chance to get a sweep of Badgers this weekend. So I think it'll be a, a great weekend, and uh, it should be should be fun to watch. going to do it for this week's episode of the Omaha Statcast. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me that people are taking in everything and um, that I can kind of do this and uh, it's really fun for me. So thank you so much again for listening. If you guys have any questions or comments or concerns over anything uh, having to do with the team, definitely leave a comment or anything. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for week three. Uh, recap week four forecast we've got wisconsin coming in ranked number 12 and it's going to be a fantastic weekend of hockey down at the back so until next time go mavs